everybody it is september 24th 2020 and you are listening to an episode of the salvage title podcast as always i'm your host brett azadike and i'm here to talk to you about car news car culture and car whatever on today's episode it's a little more normal if you can't tell i'm not outside walking and yeah uh Guys, we've had an interesting 24 hours or so when it comes to electric vehicle news. Obviously, we have the announcements that I talked about yesterday, and the thing I'm going to use to kind of bridge into today is still focusing on the announcement by Gavin Newsom that California is going to be battery electric vehicle only by 2035. Now, here's the thing. Uh, A lot of places have had hours to sit on it now, and the truth of the matter is there really isn't any way that or Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom's mandate can necessarily stick unless future California government's governors want to follow through with it. Um, But the truth of the matter is even conservative-leaning publications like Bloomberg are saying that we should be doing it not just in California, but all over the country. Like it should have happened by now. Anyway, we should be saying, setting a goal for 2030, uh, not 2035, uh, just because technology is changing so fast. And, you know, battery electric, battery electric vehicles really seem to be here to stay. And, you know, the cost continues to come down and they're just, <laughs> the other thing is, I mean, climate change is here. It's happening right now in front of us. We see the results of it in California. That is a big reason why California is trying to be one of the first states to do this. Uh, and hopefully other states continue to follow in their footsteps. Uh, it seems fairly likely that a lot of the other uh, carb states will probably do so. So places like Oregon and Washington, uh, New York, Maryland. I'm trying to remember who else is in there. I think Connecticut. Um, I'm missing some other ones. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan wouldn't be considering something along the same lines, especially with the big three based here in Detroit. It would definitely be a symbol to say that they are committed to a future where gasoline engines uh, are no longer polluting. And, you know, that's not to say that people won't still be able to drive gasoline cars. I think we're looking at 2050 or beyond before they're fully quote unquote gone from the mainstream. Uh, But, you know, as collector vehicles, I think some gasoline is going to be fine. And, you know, I think that that's going to be important to maintain some of those things. Uh, But, you know, in my opinion, all new car, all new car sales should be electric. I, I would argue by 2027 at this point, like, the technology's moving fast enough where I think we can do it. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So speaking of some of that uh, electric car stuff, we'll touch on a couple of electric stories because, you know, that's the majority of the news that we get these days. Uh, Geely, that's a big company. They're based in China. They own a lot of car companies such as uh, Volvo, Lotus, and Lincoln Co. Uh, Lincoln Co., was one of the first spinoffs of Volvo under their ownership of Geely and, or sorry, Geely's ownership of Volvo. And uh, they have developed an all new electric vehicle that debuted at the Beijing Auto Show uh, last night. Uh, yes, Beijing is having an auto show where people can actually go and attend. Wow, crazy when, you know, COVID things actually work. Um, but this new architecture is called uh, the Sustainable Experience Architecture, SEA. Um, this new car, this platform, uh, they, they, the, the concept debuting on this platform is called the Zero Concept. We don't really know if it's going to have that name. 
uh, one eventually shows up in production form. Uh, but this car is basically on a skateboard chassis, like many of these new things seem to be. It's a modular design where you can mount a motor at the uh, front and rear or mount two motors in the rear. Uh, if you can also do a range extending option with a gasoline motor. Um, and it's giving Geely an opportunity to produce a car that's going to have a 435 mile range. Now, granted, that's on the NEDC cycle, so take 30% off of that, which puts it, you know, in the upper 300s, which isn't too bad. Um, but yeah, like it's going to be a sporty crossover thing for presumably not a whole lot of money. And they are saying that they want to sell this platform to other automotive companies who are continuing to struggle with their uh, electric vehicle rollout. So think of the way that Volkswagen is looking for partners for the uh, MEB architecture. Um, that MEB architecture is going to be able to grow and expand to support everything from large crossovers and SUVs down to small city cars. And Ford is one of the first companies to sign up uh, on a deal with them to produce electric cars, potentially later on in the United States, badged as Fords. Um, but this is the platform that underpins the new ID4 that just got announced yesterday. And uh, Geely doing this, you know, really seems cool because here's the thing, Geely produces a lot of electric vehicles already in China. And, you know, they've got the big Polestar brand that's about to roll out here in the United States. And just like many others, Tesla, GM, and more, you know, Geely, I think, is a powerhouse when it comes to electric vehicle production. And I'm excited to see if more car companies jump on their SEA architecture. Um, you know, Chrysler, I think, would have been a good beneficiary of something like this uh, for them to buy into. But now that they're uh, merging with PSA to form Stellaris, uh, I think PSA is probably going to be uh, paying for a lot of that electrification of their American vehicles. Um, you know, I, the, I'm certain there are more brands that need help across the world. And uh, it's going to be cool to see Lincoln Co. do this. Because here's the other thing, is they build really cool cars. If you've never looked into it, uh, Lincoln Co. sells, I believe, primarily in China. And then I believe they started rolling out into Europe as well. Um, they, they have a very interesting look with these uh, vertical lights that almost look like 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 lizard eyes up on top of the hood um it's a very striking design and um i hope someday eventually they get around to selling their cars here they have said that they have a goal to eventually start selling cars in the united states but uh nothing has happened quite yet so uh, we'll keep an eye on it um but i think there's a lot of good signs that uh this kind of a thing will happen uh, in other interesting EV news, uh, today ChargePoint announced that they are going to be going public on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, and they have received a $2.4 billion valuation um, on the market. Uh, they don't have a sign quite yet, and it sounds like this deal is not going to be completely closed until the end of the year. Um, but ChargePoint is... I think the largest provider of electric vehicle charging systems in the United States. I might be wrong on that, but at least to me, as somebody who owns an electric car, uh, they seem to be the most ubiquitous throughout most of the country. Um, most of the car dealerships uh, around the greater Grand Rapids area have at least one charge point charger at this point. Um, I think a lot of people have installed charge point uh, chargers in their homes. Um, 
if I were to have a home, there's a fairly decent chance that I would probably go through them to buy charging equipment just because their stuff seems to work so well uh, when I'm using their chargers. Um, but, you know, they're they're making the argument that, you know, billions of dollars in charging equipment are going to be needed by the end of this decade. Uh, and they're saying there's going to need to be a charging infrastructure investment of at least 190 billion, which is nuts when you think about it. It needs to be probably four times as much as that, you know, thinking of some parts of the country, but, you know, nevertheless, it's, it's a huge deal. And it continues to show that, you know, money and attention is going to the electric vehicle market. And, you know, I, I think if the investors are there, I think there's going to be a lot more of a case to continue investing in other companies uh, that compete against them. Uh, what, what's another one? Juicebox, obviously Electrify America, they're owned by Volkswagen um, and more, you know, uh, that's the thing is I, I think as much as I firmly believe that the market is ready for electric cars as much, especially when prices seem to be coming down to that mid $30,000 level. Um, the infrastructure problem is still the biggest hurdle, I think, in many places. You know, I, I can speak to that specifically for where I live, you know, south of Grand Rapids. There are really few and far between public chargers. Um, there's one or a couple of poles at a mall that's about eight miles away from my home uh, with quick chargers on it. Um, I think they are, they're level two chargers from ChargePoint. Um, I don't remember what the capacity for them is at their fastest rate, but you know, they're enough to get most cars the juice they need as soon as possible. Um, the next set of public chargers are at a grocery store about eight miles in a slightly different direction. Um, those are also charge point units that are a little bit older, so they're a little bit slower. Um, you know, it's it's going to take investment. You know, it, it's going to take businesses going, hey, maybe we should put these car chargers out in front of our Applebee's or in front of our grocery store or in front of Target or in front of Chick-fil-A or wherever. Um, because the truth of the matter is that people are going to want to charge when they have an electric car. If they have the opportunity to spend, you know, even if they have to spend a couple of dollars to throw a car on a charger for an hour or two, pull down, you know, in some cases, some of these cars are pulling 35 plus miles per hour of range, depending on what kind of uh, onboard charger they have. Uh, you know, that helps, you know, especially if you drove, you know, 10 miles to get to the store or anything like that. So yeah, this is a big deal. And I'm hoping that as they continue to draw in money through investment, uh, that they can continue to try to push for rollouts in other places because uh, ChargePoint does a very good job. They've got a very good app. Um, you know, in many places, their chargers are free to use. Um, you know, if they, if they aren't free, it's a couple of dollars total to top off my car in some instances. And that's totally fine with me. Um, the other story, news story I wanted to touch on is that the uh, Jeep 80th anniversary is coming up uh, for the 2021 model year, which seems crazy to think about because it feels like we just had the 75th anniversary, uh, obviously five years ago in 2016. Uh, if we don't remember what the 75th anniversary models were like, 
Jeep, I think, did a very classy move uh, developing those 75th anniversary models. Uh, they had these really cool little badges that had a Willie's Jeep on it that said 75th anniversary, whatever. And then the specific 75th anniversary models had this really beautiful green, dark green paint, and the wheels that came on each of those were like this bronzy color. Um, some of them were very luxurious, like the Grand Cherokee. Other ones were kind of, eh, you know, badge jobs like on the Renegade. Um, but it looked classy and it really seemed to make that anniversary special. Um, this 80th anniversary one, which I don't really feel like is as big of a deal as a 75th anniversary, but hey, what do I know? Um, is basically a special metallic gray paint with um, metallic gray wheels. Um, and then a little badge to say that it's the 80th anniversary. Um, I, I really feel like this is maybe the least impressive special edition car that I've seen in a while. Um, but they are doing it on every model of the Jeep that's currently available. Um, so that's, you know, somewhat exciting. I'm trying to pull up a photo of the actual badge. And um, yeah, it's basically just like a little number with, uh, with a little Jeep uh, on it and <laughs> a little Willie's Jeep, and it just really, oh, it, it just doesn't seem all that cool. I I, I don't know. Anyway, they're expensive. They're, they're, it's a pricey package. The cheapest version of the 80th Anniversary Edition is the uh, Renegade, uh, which is $29.090. Uh, so basically, you're looking at thirty grand all the way up to the top, uh, thirty grand plus all the way up to the top, um, which is pretty darn crazy. The Jeep Grand Cherokee versions, wow, almost $46,000. That's nuts. But uh, yeah, that is pretty wild. So news there out of the way. Um, I just want to touch on uh, a car culture thing for a moment. Uh, and that is uh, a story that was on Market Watch last night that I've been thinking about that talked about uh, people buying pickup trucks and the kind of financial holes that they dig themselves in. Uh, by doing so. Um, in case you didn't know, uh, Ford sells nearly a million F-150s a year. I think it's like 929,000 something or nine, it's over 900,000 units a year. Uh, Chevrolet, General Motors, they sell, I think it's like 800 and some odd thousand uh, Silverados and Sierra pickup trucks each year. Uh, Ram sells a little bit less than that with uh, their pickup trucks, the 1500. Uh, really, it's it's crazy to see how much the popularity of pickup trucks have exploded in the past few years. And this article talks about how a lot of individuals are buying these trucks because it's cool, because they just want a new car, because they're trying to keep up with their neighbors, because they're trying to demonstrate some kind of ego with these things. Um, and they're, you know, putting themselves at grave financial risk by doing so. Um, they talked to a couple of people who have uh, purchases and leases that are in the well past $500 a month. Uh, we're talking about $800 to $1,400 a month on a loan uh, for some of these trucks with how expensive they're getting and the kind of options that people are putting on them. Uh, it's absolutely insane. And, you know, Market Watch, of course, is talking about this in terms of, well, you know, people are draining their 401ks because they're not contributing this, this amount of money into those kinds of things over time. And, you know, they're missing out on blah, 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 financial stuff. Uh, you know, on the one hand, shut up, nerd. Like, you know, 
let people buy what they want to buy. But at the same time, oh my God, like I cannot fathom going into a Ford dealer and being totally comfortable with the idea of spending over a thousand dollars a month on a loan for a new F-150. Like that is insane. Who makes that kind of money to be able to support it? One of the people that they had talked to talked about how they had a really expensive truck that was like $1,200 a month. And then they traded it in and got it down to like 800 or something. I might be misremembering the thing, but still even paying $800 a month for a new car loan is crazy. You know, even when I worked at the brewery, you know, this time a year ago, you know, I was pulling down just over $40,000 and I don't know how people are doing it. You know, I I know that plumbers and electricians and other ones, you know, the people who need these kinds of vehicles do make six figures. And typically they don't have the same kind of burden of college uh, education stuff like a lot of people do. And it's it, it's got to be financially rewarding to be able to go, hey, yeah, it's time for a new pickup truck. Got to go buy this, whatever. But at the same time, I mean, just... I... It, well, what? And when you take a story like this and put that right there, there's a couple other tag along things that go with this. Uh, another one is that, you know, auto loan defaults are still astronomically high. A lot of people have talked about how the auto loan industry is a bubble waiting to burst. Um, you know, a lot of shaky dealerships are happy to saddle people with a loan that goes way beyond what they can afford just because this person needs a car today and this is what they have on the lot. Um, you know, it's bad. It's bad. And that an industry is totally okay with supporting this is just insane. And I, I, I just can't believe it. And then there's the third thing that's a little more political. And I, I can't remember the name of the artist and who wrote the thing about this, but um, he talks about how Pickup trucks have become a symbol of the rise of fascism in the United States over the last 20 years. And I know this is going to sound like it's grasping at straws, but just, you know, deal with me for just a moment. Um, but he talks about how uh, the pickup truck has become this symbol for right-leaning people as this object of freedom and power. And so these trucks are increasingly uh, modified to be very large, very brutish, very tough military looking things to reflect the kinds of vehicles that were used in Afghanistan and Iraq over the past 20 years. And we're seeing right now with, you know, what happened in Louisville last night, what happened in Charlottesville a couple of years ago, uh, that vehicles are being used as weapons to target protesters in many places. And these larger and larger pickup trucks, you know, are incredibly dangerous. We've seen pedestrian deaths go up and we've seen the damages that these trucks do to the environment in terms of, you know, fuel burning and CO2 and so many other things. And it's, it's out of fucking control. It's just, a, a it's literally a pickup truck rolling down a hill. Like I just, it's so insane to me to read a story like this. And like, I don't know. It. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm rambling. It's just, it's wild. And to even go back to the Gavin Newsom declaration, the no more gas vehicles sold in California by 2035, it's the pickup truck community that's 
so upset about this. It's the people who do these are like, well, you can't take away my truck. It's my freedom. And yet Ford is about to roll out an electric pickup truck next year. Uh, Rivian's going to be doing the same. GM's going to be doing the same. Um, the future's now, motherfuckers. And either get on the train or, uh, you know, or, or, or get off it, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, um, I basically ran out of stuff to talk about. I'm sorry. I have been a little under the weather today, and I figured it was a good opportunity to just try and publish something while I was thinking about it. Anyway, guys, thank you for sitting through that. And as I said uh, in previous episodes, and I'll say again here, if you want to follow along with me on Twitter, you can do so at twitter.com slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. And you can follow along with episodes of uh, this show at anchor.fm slash salvage title. Uh, barring any unforeseen crazy news stories, I don't know if we'll necessarily have an episode tomorrow, but, uh, as things continue to come, we'll talk about it. So until then guys drive safe, remember to vote, and we will see you on the next episode of the salvage title podcast.